first reading is from 2 Samuel. Instead of David building a temple for God, God promises to establish David's dynasty forever. Centuries later, after the Babylonian exile, no king sat on the throne. Even then, however, the people of Israel remembered this promise and continued to hope for a king, a Messiah, God's anointed. Now, when the king was settled in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, the king said to the prophet Nathan, See now, I am living in a house of cedar, but the ark of God stays in a tent. Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, are you the one to build me a house to live in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day, but I have been moving about in a temple and a tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about among all the people of Israel, did I ever speak a word with any of the tribal leaders of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus you say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep to be prince over my people Israel, and I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you, and I will make you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them so that they may live on their own place and be disturbed no more. And evildoers shall afflict them no more, as formerly, from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel, I will give you rest from your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. Your house and your kingdom shall be sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please read the psalm responsively. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For you have looked with favor on your lowly servant. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. You, the Almighty, have done great things for me, and holy is your name. You have mercy on those who fear you from generation to generation. You have shown strength with your arm and scattered the proud in their conceit, casting, casting down, down the mighty from, from their thrones and lifting up the lowly. You have filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. You have come to the aid of your servant Israel to remember the promise of mercy, the promise made to our forebears, to Abraham and his children forever. The second reading is from Romans, chapter 16. Paul closes this letter to the Romans by praising God because, in proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, God has revealed the promised, divine plan of salvation for all humanity. Paul proclaims this gospel of Christ in order to bring about the obedience of faith among all nations. A reading from Romans. Now to God, who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, 
but is now disclosed, and through the prophetic writings is made known to all the Gentiles according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And if you're able to receive the gospel. Alleluia, Lord, whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. The Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be holy, and he will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. I'm seeing we have uh, some children and or, and or young people here. Would any of you be brave enough to come forward? Because there's candy involved. <laughs> yeah, no one, um, no adults. No kids? Come on up. Thank you. Come on up. Come on up. Yeah, there we go. There we go. See, it's not so bad. Have a sit down, please. It's so nice to be here. Are you excited about Christmas? Yeah. <laughs> I am too. You know, today we're talking about Mary. Mary's the mother of Jesus, right? And Mary had to cooperate. She had to give birth to the baby Jesus. And somehow 
Jesus means God with us. Have, do you know anything about, um, there's a candy called Hugs. Have you ever had one? It's like a Hershey's Kiss, but it's got chocolate and white chocolate uh, kind of uh, mixed up. And Hugs, I, I, I kind of think that when Jesus came, it was like God giving us a big hug. That God became human, like us, became a baby, a little baby. And so that's what we celebrate, that God is with us. And so I have a little thing for you. I have some, a little um, stocking with uh, Hershey's hugs in them, okay? Now, I ask you not to eat it right now during the service. But I want to thank you for being here and coming up. And I hope you have a Merry Christmas. You can go back to your places. So an uh, aspiring young actor asked a young lady's father if he could have his daughter's hand in marriage. This is the old-fashioned way, right? The father said, I would never let my daughter marry an actor. The actor said, Sir, I think you may change your mind. If you, if you come and see me perform, won't you at least come and see my play? So the father went to see the play. And the next day he called the actor and said, You were right. I did change my mind. Go ahead and marry my daughter. You're no actor. <laughs> so today we talk about, and thank you for being here in this fourth Sunday of Advent. You know, a lot of churches kind of skip this whole thing. It's like, well, we have Christmas services all day. Let's not have the Advent service on the Sunday morning. Well, you know, we hold to tradition, and maybe tradition that is at least 1,500 years old has something to say about to us about the rhythms of enjoying Christmas, and that is that we prepare ourselves. So today we have Advent, which means coming. Advent means coming. Number four, focused on Mary, who is engaged to Joseph, and yet she becomes pregnant. And this is one of the miracles. We might say a surprise of creation. And the modern mind ask the question, how is it possible to have a virgin birth? But this is a modern question. Back in the day, uh, there were a lot of important people who supposedly were born without a human father, all the way from Alexander the Great, uh, all the way from Plato to Alexander the Great, supposedly were born without a father participating, a virgin birth. So this is a modern question. We, like so many things, we accept it as it is. And that is 
that somehow we have a Savior who is both divine of the Father, of the Holy Spirit, and of human birth by, uh, by Mary, a common person. I, I like to imagine things about who Mary was, but there's nothing, there's nothing that says who Mary was. I mean, how could she have composed this wonderful song? I like to think, was she perhaps like the daughter of a rabbi? Did she go to some kind of special schooling? How did she have the theological sophistication? How was she so smart? She had to be someone who was special. After all, the mother of Jesus, the mother of God, would have to be someone who was special, who was trained, who was intelligent, perhaps rich, perhaps royal. After all, all these other births we talk about, the mother was of royalty. The parents were of royalty. Shouldn't the Son of God have royal parents? Apparently not. There's nothing about Mary at all before. She seems to be a common person. A peasant? A farmer? Perhaps that's what she was. But her response is what we need to emulate. Her response, she says, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me as you will. This is the response of faith. Here I am, or here am I. This was the response of Abraham. Here I am. It was the response of Isaac, of David, of Samuel. You might remember the story of Samuel in the temple. And Eli says, say, here I am, the servant of the Lord. Samuel says that. And the Lord works wonders through Samuel. David, here I am. Isaiah the prophet, here I am, send me. Mary's response is faithful. Here I am. And this is our response. Here I am, the servant of the Lord. It's as if God can work through us to bring about God's kingdom. Mary is the God-bearer, and we too are God-bearers. Oh yeah, we think, oh, oh not me, I, I, I fail too much, I, you know, Forget it. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I don't believe strong enough. Remember that nothing is mentioned about Mary's commitment beforehand. She just comes and, and is present to what God wants to do through her. Now, the thing about virginity, there's nothing, we, of course, in our creeds we say born of the Virgin Mary, but there's nothing in the Bible after this, nothing in the Gospels or nothing else in the, in the New Testament that speaks about Mary's virginity. It's so, apparently, it's not like a super 
important thing. If you think of our beliefs as concentric circles, you know, the, the middle is the most important. The middle is the cross, the cross of Jesus. And that's, even at Christmas time, what we look forward to. So perhaps Mary's virginity is a little bit farther out in the concentric circles. You don't have to believe in this. Again, this is a modern critique. We don't understand it. It's a, it's a miracle of creation. It's a surprise of creation that somehow Mary would bear God in her womb. Mary is faithful. Mary also points out the lowliness. She talks about her lowliness. And we need to, we need to look at her hymn which makes us uncomfortable because it says he has lifted up the lowly and sent the rich away empty. Probably most of us here um, are categorized as rich, at least as far as the rest of the world. So it gives us a little discomfort, but we know that we have a Savior who has come for everyone, rich and poor alike. But we need to have a special care for the poor, the outcast, the ones like Mary, as we carry within ourselves the beginning of the kingdom of God. Yes, you too can be a God-bearer. You too can be about bringing God's kingdom to fruition. That is the promise to us. You see, we have something that the people around Jesus didn't have, and that is the gift of the Holy Spirit in baptism. In baptism, you were washed with the waters and given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Again, you might think, well, are you kidding? Not me. I just fail miserably. I don't spend that much time thinking about what I should be doing. I don't spend that time responding. Well, God has chosen you. In baptism, God has chosen you to be like Mary, to be the bearer of God. Now, just a few words about Mary and how some doctrine has made Mary into like a God figure. We don't believe that as, as Lutherans. Um, Mary has to remain fully human. And there's nothing in the scriptures that talks about Mary as being anything other than a humble young girl. She wasn't anything special. So there's a tendency for us to make Christmas a little bit more attractive or romantic. To make Mary a little bit higher than she is. But Mary's persona is that she is humble. She's never mentioned much again in the New Testament. Yes, she's at, the, at the, uh, the, the resurrection of Jesus. And she's at the cross. But Mary remains humble. She is fully human. So that Jesus, too, can be fully human as well as fully divine. That is the main article of Christmas time, the incarnation. I didn't want to use it with the kids. That God has hugged us. 
God has embraced our humanity, becoming part of us, working through the lowly servant Mary. We too can acknowledge our lowliness, lowliness, that we don't deserve any kind of royal presence, but that somehow in our commonness, God can work through us. God can work through you to bring about his kingdom. We are to be about responding in love, loving our neighbor as God has loved us. So at this Christmas time, I hope you will think in terms of how you are loved, how God has hugged you in Jesus Christ, has hugged your humanity. So that we can be God-bearers with Mary. Luther said, Mary is the ultimate example of our faith. Because she said, here I am. She said, let it be with me to how you see. And we say too to God, bring about in me what you have pictured in me. That's our prayer. Bring about in me how you pictured me, how you have called me. That is our prayer at this time as we transition into Christmas. I want to wish you all a Merry Christmas. And I want to invite you into this special meal where Jesus comes into us, a little piece of bread, a sip of wine, to remind us that we too are God-bearers with Mary. Come and share in this meal. Amen.